2: Hauntings is a Frightfully Good production.
3: North Head Sydney, Australia, is situated at the entrance of one of the world's most beautiful and well-known harbours, And for many years, ships and their passengers were forced to quarantine offshore to make certain that epidemics like the bubonic plague, Spanish influenza and smallpox didn't run rampant throughout the country.
2: Many people were infected whilst on board the long sea voyage to Australia, and so a place on land was allocated to restrain the sick while they regained their health but far enough away from the general population to avoid spreading diseases further. Quarantine Station Manly was such a place. The old buildings that remain on this site remind us of the ever-present threat that a pandemic can cause. And back in the 1800s, treatment for such diseases may have meant months of pain and sometimes an agonising death.
3: Hi, I'm Renata. And I'm Anne. And in this week's episode of the True Hauntings podcast, we arrive at Q Station Manly to be stripped, showered and quarantined so we can find out who or what still lingers within the walls of the building that once
0: housed the sick and dying. evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow, forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings.
3: BDSM Dungeon and a videography piece about the Sydney sculptures with the best butts. So staff snapper Cassandra thought nothing of being dispatched to Manly's quarantine station to photograph what is purported to be the city's most haunted bathroom. Sounds like a fun job, she replied to an email outlining the brief. Fun, however, would not be a word she'd choose to describe the eventual experience. The possessed plumbing in question is found within the infamous Gravedigger's Cottage, a popular, if not divisive, stop on Q Station's ghost tours. It's so named not because a gravedigger actually lived there, the 19th century cottage was actually housing the doctors, but because it is flanked on two sides by the quarantine station cemeteries, and most chillingly, because the apparition of a man in a black coat and wide-brimmed hat, the uniform of a gravedigger, has been sighted within the house on multiple occasions. Shadowy spectres are not the most frightening thing that visitors to this ghoulish abode have encountered. The sensation of hands wrapping around the throat... Of being pushed down from the chest and of being submerged underwater have been reported by countless people. Spiritual mediums and paranormal investigators believe an unknown woman was attacked and murdered within the cottage, drowned in the bathtub. Cassandra knew very little of the ominous history as she entered the gravedigger's cottage with her camera. Almost immediately... She got an unexpected surprise. I sensed what felt like a thumb pressing under my chin. It was really quite painful, so I had to run the hell out of there, swearing profusely, she recalls. There were definitely something going on with those floorboards, and by the end of the shoot I felt prickly heat all over my body. I was running in and out of there like a mad woman.
2: And welcome back to the studio, Anne. Thanks, Auntie Nata. And we are finally, finally doing an episode on the uh, quarantine station at Manly. Yeah, and And I've been putting it off. Yeah, this this is close to your heart. It is. I know. because you worked there for, was it seven years? Six six years, I think yeah. it was, yeah. Doing the Paranormal Experience. The
3: Paranormal Investigator Experience. Ah, the
2: Paranormal Investigator Experience. Yeah. yeah. And that was back in the good old days when... Um... Pre-COVID? Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah, but uh, actually
3: we finished up, I think, the year... It must have been 2019. Mm. Yeah. Mm.
2: So you actually started... I remember you telling me about that and mm. you hadn't started yet. We were going to, just about go into uh, do a tour either, I think it was at, of the Civic Theatre in Newcastle. Oh, you mean you when were we started, yes. Yeah, and you were a guest and we'd gone um, to... Two, about 2012,
3: 2013. Yeah,
2: two doors down to have um, dinner at yeah. the pub. And you were telling me that, oh, you know, we're going to start doing this and I'm so excited. And yeah. blah, blah. I can't say anything to anyone yet because it's not 100% guaranteed until yes, the contracts to, and everything is signed. We actually had to
3: go before solicitors and get contracts yeah. signed and it was a big deal. Yeah,
2: yeah. Mm. Yeah, so uh, look, we have also done a documentary we at have a quarantine station. The, space, the between. space between, which I am very proud of.
3: I'm super proud. It's won quite a few awards yeah. too. Yeah. that is an amazing,
2: amazing documentary.
3: Morning Star um, Productions. Uh, yeah. Bianca Biasi. Mm. Let's see if we can put a link up to that. I don't if know still... if it was on Channel Seven Plus. Yeah, but I don't know if it's still out there. Mm. I'd love to see if it's out there somewhere. But it's it's really hard for me to do this mm-hmm. because. I was very emotionally attached Mm -hmm. to Q Station Mm -hmm. and um, it was very hard to leave. Not that we had any choice, not that we did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. It was simply a business decision on Q Station's behalf where they knew they could make more money Mm -hmm. by getting their own guides to run our tours rather than getting contractors in. So it hurt, Mm -hmm. it stung, but it's a business decision. Mm
2: -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So, we are going to talk a little bit about the history of Quarantine Station. Um, you're going to, I guess, talk a little bit about the stories that yeah. are told. But more than anything, your...
3: My experiences. Experiences. Six years at yeah. this location. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain to you all later what our, what our um, experience was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah,
2: and that's I'm, crazy. And I was lucky enough to join you for a couple yes. of them.
3: Yes, yes. Well, you I'm ended up with us for the last year or so. Yeah, yeah.
2: Fun times. Yeah.
3: All
2: right. So let's talk about quarantine and how quarantine actually started and what the need for quarantine was. So the practice of quarantine as we know it today actually began during the 14th century. And it was because uh, coastal cities could really only um, have people – coming through via ship, Mm -hmm. right? And the plague was something that everyone was fearful of. And so to protect those coastal cities, uh, ships would come in um, from infected ports and they'd be required to sit at anchor for 14 days before actually landing and disembarking. 40 days on board a vessel. Mm -hmm. That looks nothing like the vessels that we use today.
3: (laughs) After already spending how many months getting there? Mm. Because they've come from England or wherever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this practice called quarantine was derived from the
2: Italian words Quaranta giorni, uh, which meant 40 days. Yeah. Mm. And it was after the great plagues of the 1600s this, this is really interesting, this bit, um, that people started using soap, Ew. <laughs> having personal cutlery and plates, and they started separating the way people ate and slept. So everything was done all together. Families were all together. Everything was done all together. So if one person was sick, the whole family was yep. sick. And we know stories from places that we've been to that have gone through plagues and things where they shut the house, literally, even if there was just one person that was ill, they'd close it all off, block it off, and go, sorry. Oh, Mary
3: King's closed. Yeah, see yeah. you later.
2: Yeah. Too much. Yep. We because know you're you all going to
3: die. You can all die in there. We'll just leave you be. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, and so... This is something that was always around, and of course, there wasn't. There weren't always plagues. These these things came and went, and of course, our own situation just a few years ago uh, with COVID uh, showed, I guess, how quickly this can still be dispersed throughout a community. Very quickly. Mm. So North Head is situated at the entrance of Sydney Harbour. It is a huge sandstone bluff which rises 80 metres or 260 feet above sea level. And from there you can actually see the harbour and the manly fairies making their way to the city. And many a morning we would sit there. After a night of investigating with yep. our coffees, mm-hmm. with our legs million up, million dollar view, with a million dollar view straight through to it, the it city, hear,
3: hear the woof, 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 of the fairies yeah. as they went past. It was the, the what are they called the um, the uh, the sub brown noise. What is it? <laughs> you know, it's not brown noise, but it's that sub. sub it's, oh, the words have got me. Yeah, you know what I that mean. One. It's yeah. the sonic something or other. Yeah. Oh, my tablets have worn off. I can't speak <laughs> anymore. <laughs> so,
2: at the time of the first settlement, North Head was linked to the mainland uh, by only a narrow sand spit that separated the harbour from the sea. Now, the area is fringed by a continuous tract of bushland, north, south, and south and east and by the harbour on the western side. So it's kind of a perfect point and it was the entrance that was used by the first fleet mm-hmm. to come into the harbour. Mm-hmm. How majestic it would have looked coming in back yeah. then. All you saw was green yep. and um, the opportunity to
3: um, pillage the country. <laughs> I know, I'm say, that's exactly the words I was about to use. Let's, let's oh look how beautiful this place is. Let's wreck it. <laughs> Terrible
2: Uh, Right That's trading you off Hasn't it No Because the next The next thing I was going to talk about Was the Aboriginal people (laughs) So the Aboriginal people Well that flows Straight on there Yeah They occupied the Sydney Basin For at least 20,000 years Twenty
3: thousand years, and then white man says, "Oh, you can go now. We're going to take this." Yeah, you're not even human. I'm oh. sorry. What are you? I oh, don't know. Hmm. Didn't they classified sorry. them as
2: animals? They did. That's just horrific. Just, just horrible. twenty thousand years of occupied. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we could stay on
3: that for the whole. Thing yeah, that's and, not. And
2: bang on about it. <laughs>
3: I'd rather bang on other things. <laughs> anyway, go
2: on. And the harbour had been a focus for Aboriginal habitation since its occupation over 6,000 years ago. Now, North Head is known as a place of great spiritual meaning, and I'm going to try and get this right, by the uh, G.M. Bagool
3: people. Sorry if I have that wrong. I had Carangel. Katangal, the local Aboriginal people. Okay, uh, you might be on the other side I don't know anyway keep going let's let's not get into semantics semantics about that <laughs> um, and but the,
2: the I guess the thing that was really interesting about it was um, that this and we heard about this when we were there, that this place was used by their medicine men and women
3: healers for ceremonies and rituals. And we found out about that from the Prince Henry Hospital when there was um, a a stand that had some Indigenous people on. We spoke to them yes. about our quarantine station because there was the link between Prince Henry's nurses and the nurses at Q Station. So they told us that it was very important place for them, a holy place, almost like their nirvana or their heaven. Mm,
2: mm, yeah. Now, there are rock engravings there. There is rock art. They are There are campsites, burials, and middens that are left by the uh, Indigenous people of the area. Uh, and while I say that, I want to, uh, on behalf of us, pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. We tend to forget, and I, I think... In listening to the story of that gentleman at um, the uh, Prince Henry, Prince Henry, yep. we developed an even deeper respect for the place. We always Absolutely. knew that it was a healing place; it, you could feel it. Yeah, but it was—it became even more emotional every time you
3: went there. Yeah, we were only told um, that it was indigenous; mm-hmm. that it was indigenous land. They didn't tell us about the sacred part of it. Yeah, mm. yeah
2: and yeah i found that really interesting that even um you know so for... I mean, q
3: station told us that no, the the indigenous people told us yeah. it was holy land sorry
2: yeah. um so many thousands of years beforehand it was still used for healing so yeah, it still so interesting. to this day yeah mm. Now, quarantine station at North Head operated from the 14th of August, 1832 to the 29th of February, 1984. And uh, as mentioned before, as you can imagine, the new colony of of New South Wales was susceptible, as everywhere else in the world, to diseases that were brought in via ships that had been taking months to cross the sea. And who knows what was already brewing on board by the time a ship was in the harbour. I'm sure there was a
3: lot brewing. There was a lot <laughs> It was a lot.
2: Mm. Now, there was, <laughs> I don't know how bad
3: I am off coming off a plane, never mind a ship for yeah, that long.
2: There was really no regulation or they tried but there was no regulation about putting sick people on board mm-hmm. and then you kind of go, well, who was hiding the fact that they might be infected? Maybe they didn't even know they were infected mm. uh, and they'd go on onto these vessels and of mm. course once they're there, this is months yeah. from one spot to another. But you've not only got people but you've also got goods that are coming across. And some of those goods may also uh, have infection in mm, them. Yeah. So it's not only people, but also the goods that are being carried. Now, quarantine station was established firstly to stop infectious diseases coming through um into uh, Sydney mm-hmm. uh, and it was filled with free and convict Europeans. Yep. So both. So initially it was the convicts, but then more free settlers were coming through. And of course, um, merchant shipping was from all over the world. So this became a real difficulty. And we do know that um, an infection did arise in the rocks mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, really decimated the area at one point. So in 1832, the Quarantine Act was put in force by the governor at that point in time, Governor Darling. And so the future of North Head was secured when a whole area, that whole area there was actually put aside for quarantine purposes. And that basically came around um, because of the outbreak of the cholera epidemic in Europe between 1829 and 1851. So by the time we heard about it here in Australia, a year or two had passed um, and that's when... Do you remember getting the news? Shut
3: up. (laughs) (laughs) You're talking about it like you were there when
2: we heard about it in Australia. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So up until the 1830s, as i mentioned most of the quarantine most of the ships that were coming through were convict transports and they were under government contract the issue began to get worse when free trade vessels started to gain access to the harbor and uh, there had to be rules created so that each ship could be screened before goods and people were allowed to disembark this was a problem because this meant Money and time was being lost by the ship's captains, and a ship that was held up in harbour or in quarantine was not making money
3: exactly. Uh,
2: And so, the captains would often leave uh, very, very quickly, uh, as uh, very quickly and as as stealthily as possible, so they could continue trade, sneak out. And so, this is when Shanghaiing came about because. People were left in quarantine. Crew was left in quarantine. Yeah, they how had could nobody. you get the ship out of the harbour?
3: Yeah. Ha-ha. We'll just Shanghai some people, so, get them drunk and then they wake up on board out to sea. If you have never heard of the term
2: shanghai what it means is to force someone to join a ship that is lacking a full crew by drugging them or using other underhanded means. Mm-hmm. <laughs> get them drunk. And this is also what happened in Newcastle as well. So yeah. we have a we had a very busy harbour with lots of tall ships uh, and we were known as one of the worst shanghai spots in the Southern hemisphere. Wow. Now in 1831, just to give you an idea, 34 immigrant ships arrived and this ingre- increased to 63 in 1832. Now, it m- might not sound a lot, but when you have to stop all of those 63 ships to try and, you know, stop any any spread of disease yeah. that then becomes, you know, that's a lot of people. Yeah. Now, As mentioned, this would hold up the shipping trade. It was decided to remove the sick from their ships and house them on shore while the ship was fumigated and scoured for the return to the owner with minimum delay. This kind of helped a little bit with moving things more quickly. The issue was, where do you put all of these people? There was no proper accommodation again. This is why this quarantine station at Manly was created. And in those first years, often it was people living in tents along the hillside. They (laughs) were in tents. They're nice, fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. So the decision was made to construct permanent accommodation, um, and stores buildings and this was uh not enough never enough to provide what was needed for the numbers that were coming in Mm -hmm. and arriving now by 1837 to 1838 things were pretty bleak and so there was a review uh, of the conditions that uh, were on board the immigrant ships Something just had to be done before immigrants actually boarded the ships rather than when they arrived and it was too late. So all your your um, captains started to complain
3: that it was costing them money, blah, blah, blah. So really, it's like um, it's only just been let go now with the cruise ships uh, that you had to do a COVID test mm-hmm. Uh, within 24 hours of mm. getting on that ship because they were trying to stop what happened with that first cruise ship that had to turn around and come back.
2: Yeah. So this review said that um, there wasn't enough health checks. Uh, the diet on board the vessels was appalling, especially with the children. So they had a formula um, that said uh Three children equaled one adult when it it was um, to food allocation and birth space, uh, a a broad – sorry.
3: Words are hard. Let's
2: let's start again. No, you're
3: good. (laughs) Keep going. I've enjoyed watching you swallow your teeth there. (laughs) Go on, oh. spit it out! Come on, I'm oh. not making Bonnie out of that. The,
2: there was not enough. Mu- there was not enough food. There yep. was not enough space, um, and the surgeon general uh, that was aboard the ship, was well, surgeon superintendent, didn't seem to have any authority to do anything. No,
3: which was an <laughs> issue. But they can strut around and look important. Why <laughs> bother? They put on their nice red coats and polish their yeah. buttons.
2: So that kind of had to be all reorganized, and. Um, Vaccination for smallpox <gasps> for all immigrants. And Was there alien chips in there? <laughs> alien chips? Yes. Or, or yeah, chips. No, no, not not fish and chips. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Of now of, oh, this review meant that everyone had their specific role. They had to improve diet, and uh, they had to provide hospital accommodation on board, uh, and prevent overcrowding. Boo hiss! Again, the captains of these vessels were going. You can't be demanding those things.
3: You cannot <laughs> demand oh, that, dear.
2: So, immigration was reduced by about the 1840s because of a bit of a recession, and it sort of came to a standstill for a couple of years. And, uh, and then it sort of just kind of um, increased again. And the arrival of the Bijapur in 1853 had 1,000 passengers on it. What? They had 1,000 passengers. I'm and thinking of like the or, giant
3: cruise line. Is I d- it?
2: I don't know. I what? don't know. I don't know. And they um, all piled into quarantine station, which would only accommodate at the most 150 people. <gasps> <laughs> oh wow! So this meant that more buildings had to go Quick up.
3: Build, yes, build, yes.
2: And then there was a a hulk called the Harmony, which was purchased, and this became a hospital ship. So this is the Beechapur was one of these experimental vessels. And what they were trying to do was reduce migration costs. So they used a two deck vessel and that's why they put all of these people on at this one time. But all it did was spread any diseases that were on board even faster. Um, so 55 people died during the voyage and another 62 died at quarantine station. And they brought in measles, scarlet fever, and typhus. There Hooray! you go. Yay! Oh. Very good. Now, there was another issue. Um, the majority of the passengers and crew were, of course, always housed in tents. Um, the biggest concern was the women um, and the poor housing and uh, the rather loose morals oh. of married women. Oh, what? And at one point. Point. They had. Did they two, show an ankle? Two two hundred single women were let loose into the bush. They said, <laughs> hashtag sacred bush. Let <laughs> those ladies run amok in those bushes. They, they'd been on board the vessel. They wanted, and this, these were married women. Yeah, they went nuts. <laughs>
3: I can just imagine them stripping off their clothes and oh. running through the bush. Oh, getting my Getting ticks. God. Then you've got to pull the ticks out of every crevice you can find. Oh. I've had ticks twice from Q Station. Oh, dear. So, more construction had to be
2: uh, created. Uh, a building f- and a barracks for single women um, on oh, the former Zimbalades. sick ground. Oh, and they put a double fence with a sentry. Ha, ha,
3: Around, around. So the- but didn't they do this here in Nobbies Where they put them all on an yes. island Because so- the, the women were just so wild
2: oh, It's because we're fed up with the silly men Oh my god Yes, yeah, so they had to put a big double fence And uh, a sentry I mean, what was he going to do? They couldn't Shoot jump the a double women? fence
3: Oh my god he'll, he'll poke them with his bayonet <laughs> Oh,
2: oh. Now, two new buildings were built in the healthy ground, uh, each to house 60 people. They had verandas for dining. Original burial ground was levelled and the gravestones removed to the new burial ground. Um, And removing the burial burials from the healthy ground um, just allowed allowed more space but also allowed people to un, to kind of not view the dead continuously mm-hmm.
3: yep They're, so what they they ended up doing is they had healthy ground and they had unhealthy ground mm-hmm. so you do you go into that? Uh, not so, so much. So no. where the healthy ground was, where the people who were not showing any signs of illness were kept. Mm-hmm. If you had any signs of illness, you were put like you could have a runny nose. You'd be put into the unhealthy. So that would be the hospital area mm-hmm. and the isolation area, um, and you would have to try and remain healthy there to be get to get out of there. Um, but mm-hmm. one of the biggest problems with that first uh, cemetery that they set up, which was on the hill is that uh, when it rained, mm. the water would go down into the graves and then uh, slush it all down yes. into their drinking water.
2: slush it down. All those diseases mm. became active again in the healthy ground. Yes. And another issue... With all of these people coming in and out, there was never time for uh, the buildings to be, you know, renovated and, you know, looked after The quarantine station became very run down and it wasn't really um, in its best light, I guess. No. Because you were still Not bringing... Not as beautiful
3: as it is today. No,
2: you were still bringing through passengers um, that were first class, yep. second class. Third class And, um, and... it's... And, and the rest. Yes. Do you uh, talk about that? No. Oh, well. No. You'll you you talk about yeah. that. Now, there was a time when passengers were I'm still... I'm
3: just putting a jacket on because it's chilly in here. Aunty Nada's fogging up and I'm freezing. The,
2: the passengers were often kept on board the floating quarantine vessels. Those that came through on land were often like the first class people and... Um, It says here, the inadequacy was further publicised during the quarantine of the Baroda in 1873 when the first-class passengers, get this, had to do their own washing.
3: (gasps) Did the heavens fall? (laughs) Did the birds drop dead out of the sky and the fish float to the surface dead? (laughs) Oh, my God.
2: (gasps) Oh, no. I have to say that it was because of them that the government actually took attention um, to what was happening at the quarantine station and changed (laughs) things. Bloody right. And actually built... um, The laundry. More accommodation. Yeah. And 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 the laundry. The big laundry down Uh there. Yeah. Oh, my God. Now... uh, because of a, a smallpox outbreak in the late 1800s, uh, there was another ship that was anchored off quarantine station and it was converted to another hospital ship and it was upgraded upgraded to a floating hospital with two wards and 100 beds. Um, and, yeah, I'm just going to tell you a, a couple of stories. I'm waiting. There's There's silence. Um, And this is about what happened when the passengers arrived. So passengers and crew members uh, would be brought ashore and divided into groups, the sick, the contacts or those not ill, but likely to have been exposed and the healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, all their bags and every and all the possessions were taken from them. Yep. The first stopping point for all three groups was a small, drab room, barely large enough to hold forty, so that all the travellers would be squeezed in. We've been in that room.
3: Is that the inhalation shed? Yep. Yep.
2: The room was. If then... you didn't have it by then, you would have it once you'd finished in there. Uh, the room would be filled with zinc sulphate gas thought to assist in removing fluid and possible infection from the lungs.
3: And kill the bugs.
2: I have to say that that is probably
3: one of the most scariest places that I have been in. It is, because when you get in there, they shut the door and it could be broad daylight outside and it's pitch black. And then uh, I know on the the tours, the guide would always go around the back and they'd open up the the hatch, which is where they would have put the smoke through. Mm -hmm. And it... Very much feels like the um, death camps.
2: Yeah. It's like you're going to die. Yeah. It's it's horrible. Yeah. So then they would be taken to shower blocks and forced to stand under a spray that included 10% carbolic acid, Mm -hmm. taking off the
3: top layer of their skin. Yep. And they had little peak holes Mm -hmm. so they could make sure that they were washing themselves properly. Yeah, washing themselves properly. I'm sure that's all they used the peak Mm. holes for.
2: So while the arrivals were being treated, their belongings were put inside large autoclaves and steamed at 115 degrees Celsius or 239 Fahrenheit for 20 minutes. All travellers, even the healthy, would be kept an average of
3: 40 days before being cleared to enter Sydney. Just before you go on any further, the autoclaves, Mm -hmm. uh, apparently that they steamed it to that temperature and they missed out by it was like one or two degrees to actually kill, kill. <laughs> off the bugs that they needed to kill off. Yeah. But it destroyed all the silks mm-hmm. of the ladies who had come in. Yeah. So they, they, they destroyed the clothing and and didn't achieve what they needed to achieve. Mm. Uh well they were doing the best they knew.
2: Mm. So, um, as you mentioned before, which you'll get into in your stories, not everyone had a difficult stay. The quarters for first-class passengers actually had a smoking room for men, a ladies' sewing room and a tennis court. Off the first-class dining room is a
3: shaded veranda with glimpses of the harbour through the trees. Oh, it's stunning. Uh, Quite funnily, though, they... um, The people who had the best view was actually second class Mm -hmm. because the first class, were um, they had all the trees so they Mm -hmm. couldn't actually see the Mm harbour. But um, second class, and that's where we put Bill Chappell when he came to stay with us. And Dave, Mm -hmm. they, they went over into second class so they could get the good views. Yeah. So there were
2: around 572 deaths recorded during the station's history and the bodies were buried at three cemeteries on the site. Uh, they were There were never any outbreaks of disease within the quarantine station and no outbreaks from the quarantine station into Sydney. Oh, okay. So they did a pretty good job. Yeah. Uh, now, one really interesting story. Um One of the biggest outbreaks related to quarantine to hit Sydney happened in 1838 when the ship from Scotland called William Roger was mistakenly cleared to sail into the city Uh rather than being taken to the queue station for up to 40 days quarantine. Now, passengers on board actually had typhus, an epidemic at the time, which killed millions. It was sent to Sydney as a disease free ship and unfortunately, 16 cases ended up being detected in Sydney. The ship was returned to the station with a further 144 cases, very likely some of their contacts from Sydney. Altogether, 45 people died, including the ship's captain and his 10-year-old son. Mm. Once people were at Q station, conditions were extreme. Guards were told to shoot people who broke the rules by leaving their assigned area. The sick and infected were separated, as were the passenger classes. Six months jail and fines were later introduced. However, 900 disgruntled soldiers were sent uh, to the Q station during the Spanish flu pandemic after World War I, and they did manage to escape. They had been promised first-class accommodation, but when another ship turned up with fourteen hundred more aboard rather than the expected four hundred, they were told they'd be sleeping in tents instead. Brown snakes had slithered over them. The final straw came after the, their food was rationed as well. They dared the armed guards to shoot them, and of course, who was going to sh- return shoot um, or going to shoot returned soldiers? No yeah, one. Yeah. Now, the last thing, um, and we know that um, the Iconic Q station has been purchased um, in the last years. And the gentleman that uh, purchased it is a wealthy hotelier um, from the Northern Beaches. His name is Glenn Piper. I'd love to meet you, Glenn, at some stage or other. Yeah. And uh, he uh, handed over uh, somewhere close to $20 million.
3: (gasps) Wow. Wow. But what a purchase. Yeah. And that's me. Okay. I don't know if you can actually purchase it or you lease it because I think it still belongs to National Parks and Wildlife. Mm. So um, I cannot say for sure on that one. Mm. But uh, it was held by a core for quite some time and mm. uh, they were able to renovate uh, to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, they... Could, they couldn't put bathrooms into the original buildings if there wasn't one there, but there were uh, bathrooms outside. So what they did is you would have your room, and then you would have your own bathroom with a key that you could use, which, which was just out in the veranda. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you still have to walk out in the the rain and the wind. And, and but it, it's <laughs> it's an amazing experience. Q Station is just my my most favourite place. And they have been consistently doing renovations. They have, uh, and they. Just to go back a little bit with the history aspect is that if you had a first class ticket, you were housed in first class. Second class was housed in second. Third class was just sort of like the people on the Titanic that were down the bottom. They they were um, housed over in a different area. But then, if you were of any skin colour other than white, um, or you were Asian or uh-huh. or whatever, uh-huh. didn't matter what ticket you had purchased you could have had a first class ticket you were put into um, what they now call asiatics mm-hmm. which was a long building uh, and they would just have sp- bunk beds yeah, yeah lots and lots of uh, piles like slats to to lay them up and you'd all be crammed in there and you
1: many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out
3: Um, they had a giant pot that they would sort of scoop food out from and it was pretty horrendous. Yeah. And yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, that was the white Australia policy. Mm. Hmm. One of our horrible parts. Anyway, now, so these recollections, I, I started researching the ghosts of Q Station. I thought, this is silly. Uh, I worked there for six years and we ran an experience called Paranormal Investigator that was a four-hour experience where we went to four, five main areas of Quarantine Station and at each area we would actually investigate and we would break people up into smaller groups and they'd have recorders and spirit boxes and, and they would record this stuff and then after the four hours was done, we'd collect all those recorders and we would go and analyse all all of it. And remember we had 20 people on a tour Mm. and um, they would probably be in four or five groups. Mm -hmm. So that's probably three hours of audio review for four or five recorders. It nearly killed me. Mm. But I have books and books of the um, analysis of all this audio that I did over the years and the amount of things that came across spirit boxes and evps was astounding Mm, and personal experiences people had um i'm I'm gonna just go through and tell you my experiences as i remember them i have got pages and pages of notes i'm probably not going to get through all of it It, it, it's six years worth Mm. and uh all right so we let's start with the indigenous So um, there is an area that we would walk from the doctors and nurses across over the top of the hill through this scrub land on a a track. Mm -hmm. And then we'd eventually get down to the Mm Gravedigger's Cottage. Uh, And we were told, I remember doing the tour there when I I first went. My daughter was only 14, I think. And uh, I wasn't part of a paranormal team or anything. I just was fascinated with this stuff. And they told us that quite often rocks would be thrown at you mm-hmm. as you walked through there and you felt like you were being watched. Mm-hmm. Now I never had anything thrown at me, but you certainly did get the sensation of um, you shouldn't be here. This is not your place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I'll I'll leave those ones. I'll just brush on to those or, or touch on them. Uh, mm, let me, Or oh, we'll go to the grave diggers because that's, Infamous. Yeah, yes, yes. Very infamous. Now.
2: Oh. <sighs>
0: And this, to, start is... with,
2: to start with, mm-hmm. it's been given the wrong term. It's It was never the grave Cottage. It diggers was never cottage. the Gravedigger's.
3: As they said in that opening, oh, by the way, that soundscape today came from timeout.com uh, about the most haunted bathroom, and it was the Gravedigger's Cottage. Yeah,
2: the possessed plumbing. Oh,
3: look, honest <laughs> to God. So the story there is that it is haunted by one particular ghost which was samuel apparently there's a martin there as well they hated women uh and uh they attacked some of the guides that are there there were some guides that refused to take step you know step foot into the building yep. we were told that somebody was murdered in the bathroom and dismembered out the back in the laundry oh my gosh uh and yeah, well, and I know that one of the the guys that helped set up this tour um, felt that Samuel particularly hated him, but after a year or two, Samuel became his guide and best friend. So I'm okay. yeah, I, I just go with the flow on it. Uh, I did have a very icky feeling walking to that building. It was one of the the few places that I would knock on the door and I would, well, we always knock on the door, but I would open it very tentatively and go, hello. And I did not like walking in there by myself. Mm -hmm. Even my skeptical husband, the engineer said that was the only building that he was not comfortable in. Mm -hmm. Now we have, Imagine an old fibro cottage, wooden floorboards. Um. It was set up like something from the 1960s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was two bedrooms. Uh, so when you walked in, there was the lounge room, there was a bedroom on the right, then you walked through the door and there'd be the kitchen and then another bedroom on the, the, the left. Sorry, on the right. Mm-hmm. So that bedroom, the second bedroom, was one that was very interesting. Now, there was a cupboard in there, mm-hmm that the door would swing open by itself. Mm. And I'd seen it happen many times. Mm. Got nothing but to do with the floor. Nothing to do with the floorboards at all or when you stand <laughs> on a particular spot and jiggle. Nothing. Uh, but, but we used to do table tipping in there and we um, there is a video online from Bianca mm-hmm. where they were interviewing a lady during the daytime And you see this lady there standing in the kitchen just in front of that second bedroom doorway. This lady all of a sudden gets reefed backwards into that room. Yeah, yep. And the door slams shut Uh and there is footage of it. Uh And you watch that. She is really taken by surprise. I don't think it was a setup. Uh Um, That was pretty crazy. Uh, There was an experience I had in there where they had a kid's birthday party in there because they've got tours going every 90 minutes. It's like it's very busy and we had to slot in um, very carefully so we didn't interrupt anyone else's experience. But they had a birthday party in there and the guide had hyped them up with all the – which they're meant to do. It's a haunted location and um, they were probably year five, year six, which means they were between 11 and 12 years old – Something happened, and I think somebody jumped out and did something to scare one of them, and one of the poor kids wet their pants, and the others all went flying over the balcony. They actually jumped the railing, and as all these kids have gone flying out, the other investigator and I are standing there going, oh, my God, and before our eyes, the lid on a saucepan on the um, the cooktop flew off into the other room. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, now, these kids had stopped running at that stage. They were gone and mm-hmm. we were just standing there. Mm-hmm. So I reckon that was the energy of the kids. That was a psychokinetic thing that has made that happen. Yeah. Or Samuel had had enough of them. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Samuel, we did have a great EVP in there. There were several EVPs, but this one sticks in my mind. And it's when I was saying, come on, Sam, come and talk to us. And you hear this, Samuel. Mm-hmm. He corrected me. Mm-hmm. Wow. So whether there was a Samuel there, and we did find there was a Reverend Sam, Samuel that had been at Q Station. Um, maybe it was him. Yeah, I don't know. But the, the sort of spirit boxes and things we got sort of suggested he had a family, and the family used to live there. But I mean, that's not that's not if proof. It's, well, if
2: I mean, you can have a, a priest who has a family. They're just not Catholic priests. Yeah.
3: Um, so that I'll just try to touch on all of these because there's so much. Um, that That's the Gravediggers' Cottage. also high EMF in there. You'd get random spikes of EMF. There was one day that we turned around and you could see the shadow of someone through the, the back door. Uh-huh. Um, and then they were gone. Of course, we've raced around the back. There's no one there. Um, it was a very creepy, creepy place. Uh, there is the isolation uh, area where the sickest of the sick were kept. Um, they put them up on the top of the bluff. They had these huts which the windows would be propped open, and the idea was that the the moving air would disperse the miasmas. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the way of treating them. Mm-hmm.
2: We've slept there overnight. We have slept there overnight. <laughs> it's got the best view. It has. And, and, the whole and it was place, very comfortable.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I had no no issue. I've been yeah. told that it's very haunted in there, yeah. but somebody had come in and did a binding on whatever was there. Oh. And then I heard towards my, the end of my stay there that the binding was coming undone. And we have to be very careful. Somebody's going to have to go back Up and do another binding. Hmm. (laughs) Uh, Moving along, moving along. I don't want to. to uh, look, I'm I'm going to come back and do a summary at the end. Yeah, don't you
2: worry. This is one of these places where so many paranormal investigators and so many psychics and so many you know, mediums are drawn to. Yeah, they are, and they do story after story in newspapers, and and they yeah. write books, and 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 they do movies, and, and they do YouTube and yeah, everything, and yeah. so yeah, they've created
3: all of this. Drama Around this place as well And it was dramatic to begin with But think, think of the location These people were coming into A new country to start a new life yeah. And instead Families have been separated mm-hmm. as soon as they've Landed, they've um, never Seen, their, like there was children there That were separated from their parents, never to see their parents Again, they died, mm-hmm. or the parents Would never see the children again mm-hmm. There was horrendous suffering was there Scrubbed to an inch of their lives Yeah Um,
2: dying from diseases, being stuck in places where there are other like healthy people who are worried that they might catch a disease uh, that is
3: around in the area. Oh, it was horrible. Yes, it was. All right, I'm going to um, just touch on the autoclaves. Now, I'm touching a lot of things tonight. Oh, you are. Um, This is a very... Inappropriate thing to say, but we're talking about a young girl now. Okay. Uh, Apparently around the autoclaves area, but also in other areas of Q Station, um, there is a young girl that would appear and then just hold people's hands or be standing in the group and they'd sort of be looking at her going, where did you come from? Mm -hmm. And then they'd say... Um, when they sort of wandered off they'd say to the guide who was the young girl and they'd go there is no young girl Uh that was one of our ghosts so that was reported quite often never happened to me but i did have people in my group say they felt like someone was holding their hand Uh now the laundry as you mentioned uh had a very interesting character there by the name of william hayes yes Yes. Now, they always used to refer to him as Mr. Hayes. They so were always very respectful, the guides and everyone that was there. But there is a whole love triangle supposedly around him. Ah, yes, I remember. And he supposedly committed suicide by shooting himself in the stomach several times. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound to me like. No, you'd just do it once, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, and you wouldn't do it to your stomach. So there was this suspicion where uh, they think there was a bit of a love triangle. We don't know if this is true or not. This is just stories from the guides. uh, And they think he was actually murdered. One of the very suspicious things around it is that he was found, or he was dead. He was autopsied and buried within 24 hours. Ah, yes, I
2: remember that story. And the person's mm-hmm. name
3: that was signed on the certificate mm-hmm. uh, was the person they think was involved yes. in the death certificate. I remember we tried to get some uh, information out of And William. the spirit box. Remember mm-hmm. the spirit box? We asked, how did you die? And it came out, murder. Mm-hmm. But we also had an investigator there who was with us who... Felt like he was being overcome by um, the spirit. There was some sort of dark energy there. They used to call it legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they'd talk about legs, who was this demonic negative energy. And all you'd see was goat legs. Oh, God. I'd never seen it. Goat legs. Right. <laughs> yep. And, but we <clears throat> had this very clear EVP from there where this person's going, Something, Something's trying to jump me. You hear this voice go, Get off him. Right. And they think that was Mr. Hayes trying to protect that investigator. Oh, okay. Oh, so many stories, Renata. <laughs> uh, all right. I loved going to. Oh, <laughs> to- I, should, I, should I, I just loved miss it, it so yeah, much. Yeah, it's great. Um, the roads, so we're going to go to the morgue. Yes. right? So the morgue was up on the unhealthy ground just below the hospital, around the corner from where we used to sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh the guide that the the guys used to refer to an entity there called Slimy. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Slimy used to like undoing brass straps mm-hmm. uh, and touching ladies in very. Inappropriate appropriate places mm-hmm. Now whenever we investigated there We never got any inkling of anyone who was a slimy mm-hmm. uh, but we get a female that was responding quite often
2: And we did I don't know if you remember Right towards the end We did a really long session in there And we feel that possibly there's another angle To what was happening in there because we had a whole lot of equipment go off and we started asking and going down a particular line of questioning. Oh, what was it? I can't about, remember. About what the morgue may
3: have been used because for. Because they hardly had any bodies come through yes. there. People knew what they died from. They didn't need to yes. autopsy them. So the building was left empty a lot. A little bit of a secret tryst meeting place.
2: a bit of a rendezvous in the morgue.
3: Yes, but it was very stinky. Mm. Yes, always. Always. You'd open up that door and some days it would just knock you off your feet because we've still got the sewage pipes and systems from back in the 1800s there. Yeah. Um, So... There was also a report of an Aboriginal man that was seen in uh, the the window because there was a, a a cutout between where the morgue slab was and uh, where they would pass the body parts through to the lab. Mm-hmm. Um, and we used to lay people on the on the, on slab. the slab and we yeah. put equipment all over them. It was it was a hoot. Yeah. Uh, so that was the morgue, but just outside the the morgue there was a road that went down, and that road was actually made up of crushed upping headstones ah. because they had all these headstones that they yeah. moved mm-hmm. um well, allegedly moved. yeah and then they, they, the people weren't there anymore to take mm-hmm. care of them so they just crushed them up and, and made a road out of them and don't forget all the carvings down the bottom yes. as well from all the ships mm-hmm. and um they would say what ship it was how many people they lost and um there's one that was written in chinese that they were saying this was hell on earth or something mm-hmm. it was really horrible now speaking of which we're going to go to Asiatics, mm-hmm. which is below third class from memory, and it was the long hut that I was talking about. One of the guides told me at one stage or other as we we're going past that they've they've got a new entity in there, and it was a Chinese vampire. They had a Chinese a vampire choice? in there, and apparently you had to hold your breath as you're walking past the building because otherwise, on your intake of breath, he would enter your body. Ah. Uh, But Mm -hmm. I I did have a personal experience there where one of the investigators I was working with early on just all of a sudden stopped responding Mm -hmm. and he was just sort of gone that blank stare and the arms were dropped by his side and we're going, you okay? You okay? And then he just started to get really angry like he was going to punch someone and um, one of the guides came up and just – slapped him on his back so hard that I thought he was going to snap his spine. And this person came out of it and said, what would you do that for? And they said, you were possessed, mate. Mm. Mm. And he he really was not himself. Uh-huh. And he said he felt like there was some uh, large Samoan Fijian type man there that had tried to enter his yeah, body. Take him over. Take him over. Uh, um, all right. Uh, Second class dining is where they have lots of weddings and there's a very famous spirit that hangs out there called Isaac. Uh Do you remember Isaac? Uh little boy um, whose family left a sum of money to have a headstone erected there and to also uh, maintain it uh, because he had passed away. And we had some experiences there where I sang some nursery rhymes and things like that. And you heard a child's voice upstairs. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. Now, there was a room down in the cooking area of Mm -hmm. there that you picked up on the entity of a disabled young man. Yes. What was that about? Uh, He was kept down there because
2: of his disability. People didn't want to look at him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he had a very hard life down there. He was so upset at yeah. being put away, and, literally.
3: And that was another one of the rooms where we'd had some people tell us that there was an evil being in there that yeah. had been bound. Yeah. So I'd say it's this poor young yeah. man who was angry at the way he's being treated and then treated again like that in yes. death.
2: yeah, yeah
3: but we we have heard furniture being dragged above us and we've heard footsteps going up and, and down those stairs yeah, yeah. Um,
2: things yeah things being moved in that big room upstairs the funniest
3: thing though I ever saw was as I said they had weddings and things there and we heard this scrabbling noise and we've gone out to have a look at what it was and here is this big fat possum <laughs> holding a minty <laughs> and was chomping through it. <laughs> that, that possum got named Brian. We Brian. used to see Brian all the time. <laughs> he was a big boy. Uh, <laughs> now, hang on. So, or... I've got a list, and I know that time is getting away from us. Hospital. Hospital, Hospital, You want me to go to hospital? Hospital. All right. The the most famous uh, entity there at Q Station is Matron, and uh, you always pay your respects to Matron when you arrive at Q Station Mm -hmm. because she is still caring for the living and the dead there. She is. Um, Of course, we had guides tell us stories about that she had done something horrible and was therefore paying penance by still being there. Honestly, I want to throttle those those people, when they tell stories like that, there was a great EVP. Now, we had Pete from Appy, yeah. Um, and we were doing some reenactments trying to get some stuff going. And, um, I think we were being silly, and we were yelling at each other, we weren't being silly, we were, we were being in character. And you hear this Irish woman say something, and in an absolutely dead set Irish voice mm-hmm. on the EVP, it was really great. Um, There was one, that same night we had these weird shadows happen where we were walking along and all of a sudden we saw this shadow come from the opposite direction, hunker down and run. Mm -hmm. That was really freaky. Uh, So Matron, now we had heard a lot in the hospital. We got a lot on EVPs. Um, There was sounds of trolleys being wheeled or wheelchairs being moved and... There was one night that I'd stayed back with the other investigator because we always go around, and make sure everything's locked up, and there was we were just walking down there, he said, Oh, if there's anyone there, let us know. The door down the end all of a sudden went rata and we went Oh boop, run away. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was really freaky. Yeah. But it was
2: fun. Now, what was the thing with the cupboard in the corner in I'm the hospital? i will get to that. Oh,
3: okay. Uh, there, the there was the second hospital as well, mm-hmm. which was the main hospital, and it burnt down. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they filmed Biggest Loser there, and they said matron wasn't happy with the way those people were treated, so she burnt the hospital down. <laughs> oh. It was actually struck by lightning, but that it's a much better story. Than the other one, wasn't it? Yes. Uh, we did a table tipping session in there with one of our guests, and we had a very profound experience. And you were there at the time. This particular man, his friend, had just passed away days before. And we were getting this stuff coming through and he was very emotional. And um, he said he was at Hungry Jack's or Big Mac's or something like that. And you were giving him this information and this person's just sobbing and carrying on. Um, Apparently he had died of a heart attack or something at McDonald's or Hungry Jack's or something. It was, that was like, we had no idea Mm. and it was really fresh. Yeah, sorry, I've, um, done, I've done that a couple you've of done times. That too many times. Now there is also the cupboard there, which occasionally would open up by itself. Yes. Now we had done an investigation, and my other business partner at the time had brought his mum in, who was a very gifted medium, and she'd gone up to this cupboard and she'd opened up the door. She said, "There's a young girl in there." She says her name's Rebecca. Um, she's a bit scared of what's going on and I. she said, oh, I need to go and talk to her. So this lady's climbed into the wardrobe with her oh. and shut the door to talk to her oh. and then came out and said she's okay now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there's a young girl. Anyway, the next week was when we had Dave Schrader come in and he had the SLS X-cam with him, which was the stick figure thing. Yeah, And we opened up the cupboard doors and he shone that in there and he's gone, There's a child stick figure in there, in the exact place Mm -hmm. where she had said it was, and we had not told them that story. Wow. So apparently her parents um, had survived and she had died. Oh. So, yeah, very, very sad, but... I, I like things like that when we don't tell people the story and then they get the same story. Yeah, yeah. Another incident in the hospital was the CCTV camera and I think that footage is still online somewhere where we set up the CCTV cameras for the night and we went and reviewed it the next day and one of the camera's on the ground.
2: Oh, I remember you that. You remember that? Yes, yes.
3: And when you look at it, it looks like somebody has picked up the camera and then sort of looked at it Turned it around and looked at the other side, turned back and looked at it, and then dropped it on the ground. Yeah, and then it moves again. That building was locked off. Mm-hmm. I've got no explanation for that. It was really cool. We'll see if we can find the links to some of these and um, get them Pop to them you. Up. Yeah, but there was a sacrifice um, made there by a beautiful nurse, yes. Annie Egan, and she's a famous uh, ghost there. Mm-hmm. She was twenty-seven. And she had volunteered to tend the victims in the 1918 flu pandemic. But then she caught the virus and died herself. Yeah. But before she died, she wanted to have the last rites. She yeah. was devout. She wanted to be able to pass to the other side and be with God. And um, they refused her. Mm. They couldn't get a priest up there because... They, they, they could, but he would have to come into the unhealthy ground and then stay and there. And he would have to stay there, which meant they had another mouth to feed. Yeah. So they said it was too dangerous to send a Catholic priest in there, even though there was somebody that was willing to do it. And her anniversary is coming up in a few days after this podcast comes out. Oh. Early December, mm. 3rd, of, 3rd of December. So everyone think of Annie Egan on the 3rd of December and the fact she gave her life to care for the sick.
2: I think we connected with Annie a couple of times we did. while we were there as and well. And
3: Elizabeth as well. I remember yeah. Elizabeth came up quite often as well. Uh, we did stay in the doctors and nurses quarters when we used to stay up there, mm-hmm. and now you can stay there because <laughs> it is now accommodation. Yeah, such a lucky. And when because we used to sleep in, there was a corridor with some offices either side, and one was a decontamination room, and I had stuff happen there too. But I'm running out of time. Anyway, uh, we were sleeping in there. We put the mattresses on the floor, and during the night, the sheet. No, it wasn't the sheet was pulled off me. Something rubbed up against my arm and it was that strong that I thought a possum was in the room. Yeah. And I've sort of looked up and there was nothing there. Daylight had come up. There was nothing there, but something had rubbed past me. Uh, we also had a guy that was mucking around in, during one of the tours. He thought it'd be fun to hide underneath the bed and try and scare his girlfriend when she came into the room. But she was busy outside chatting to one of one of us. He never came in, but his digital recorder was on in there. When we reviewed it, there was a little girl's voice saying, Come play with me. Oh,
2: that's just creepy.
3: I hope you listened to that because they were not very nice. They were not easy to work with those people. There's also talk of um, Ouija boards are not allowed at quarantine station Mm -hmm. at all Mm -hmm. because they had an experience when a school group stayed there. They had a Ouija board and the windows exploded outwards because of the Ouija board. I'm sure it has nothing to do with pillow fights or anything like that. (laughs) That may have happened. It's so much easier to blame a Ouija board, isn't it? It is. Uh, We also got a great EVP in there of somebody that was struggling to breathe and a child's voice saying, Can you help my mummy? Oh, no, that was heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. we can't can't finish up without doing the shower block I'm sorry this is going to be a long episode but I have so much more I could tell you it it, <sighs> it was such an amazing place um, so what we would do is we would make people walk the shower block on their own just with a night vision camera uh, and it was terrifying it was absolutely terrifying they'd have shower curtains that were hanging down and I remember I like we we have to do it ourselves to make sure that it is something you could do. And you can hear my voice when I did my solo walk. My voice is shaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my friend Jason, who is sadly no longer with us, actually took a photo of a very, very tall man with a hat on just near the door. Mm-hmm. And it's his huge black shadow. Mm-hmm. And Q Station have used it quite a bit. Uh, and there is no explanation for, for what that shadow is. That shadow is. Mm. I do remember when I was taking because we'd walk the group through to show them the path they had to take take for their solo walk, and I was just walking along, all of a sudden I had this lady jump on my back. I'm going, What the hell? And she was screaming, she was terrified, she said, Something's just pulled my coat. And she was I had like a koala on my back. <laughs> I'm like, can you let's we'll get out, but just let go of me. That was hilarious um but yeah the the shower block was it was creepy. They'd say the guides would tell you there was some creature that would climb across the the ceiling and the and the pipes and everything there yeah. uh. Yeah. And
2: it's far more scary thinking of what those poor people went through in those showers. Yes. And we actually did, I remember doing quite a few sessions where people would stand in those showers mm. and really relive the drama of having to scrub yourself knowing that this is painful yes and it's going it's to acid. hurt
3: yes uh now i've got a couple of little interesting things i'll just throw in there is a person that lives on site um they have a permanent room there i'm not going to say much more information apart from they have some health conditions and are. Uh, uh, super intelligent person holding several degrees, uh, but they believe that Q Station and Matron is keeping them alive. They should have been dead long ago and that Q Station is still healing. Mm -hmm. And this person is a very... Um, deep soul. I, I could sit and listen to this person for hours. They were just amazing. So I thought that was a, an interesting thing. Uh, I filmed an ad there for Philip's Lighting mm-hmm. uh, where they blindfolded people, drove them around for a bit. They had no idea where they were and uh, sealed them up into the nurses' quarters and had their mood lighting in there for the night uh, to see you know, the morning did anything happen mm-hmm. and um, they said something did happen, but it wasn't anything too dramatic, but I thought that was fun. Uh, and there was a time they took me up into one of the cemeteries behind the third class. And you've got to be careful what time of year you go because there's ticks everywhere. Mm-hmm. But we went up there and we had a look at some of the headstones. But when we came out, we had to all spray our shoes down with methylated spirits because kicking up the soil there, some of those diseases could still be active under the soil. Wow. Isn't That's that terrifying? Scary. And I just realised I would left out two sentences for my soundscape there. Yeah, never mind. I'm sure it all made sense. But um, I just thought, you know, we've always got to go to TripAdvisor. We'll just do a, uh-huh. a TripAdvisor or two. Uh-huh. Um, this was reviewed on February 2017. They did the Paranormal Investigator Experience Thank you so much, Oz Paratech, Roman and Anne, for an amazing first time at Sydney's Q Station with loads of information and tons of experiments, activities throughout the night. One will never get bored. I had some experiences on my own, which I can't explain, one being where I was woken up with a feeling of being cut open.
2: Oh, that's terrible. To my terrible. surprise,
3: I had a scratch down my stomach where the feeling was. Wow. Oh. Um. If you go and have a look at the reviews on TripAdvisor, uh, 99% of the ones for the Paranormal Investigator Experience are about us. And I think they're all five stars, bar one, which is a four star. I did find one for the new experience, but um, it was a one star. Yeah, I'm, and I'm not going to read that because I, I, I don't want to upset people. But you can go and have a look for yourself. That was from 2020. I think I saw that one. Yeah, you saw it. It was a bit of a roasting and a burn. Yeah. Never mind. Um, but... Here's my problem with Q Station. Mm-hmm. It has so much trauma. It has so many layers. Mm-hmm. Um, there were people who had some great times there, but it was a lot of anguish, sickness, illness, pain, suffering, families torn apart. It is the perfect location for a haunting. But why do we have to go and have demonic legs? Yeah. Why do we have to have slimy? Yeah. Why do we have to have these weird sorts of ghosts? And this is, this is the reason why I did not want to do this podcast. I'm going to reveal it to you now. And I don't know if I've ever told you this. It was revealed to me by a former guide from quarantine station that when it first opened up the buildings were very dilapidated Um, it was run by national parks and wildlife and they needed to find a way to start bringing money in to save these buildings Mm -hmm. so somebody came up with the idea of let's run a ghost tour Mm -hmm. and they said well if we're going to run a ghost tour we've got to have some ghost stories so let's make up some ghost stories -hmm. So, guess where a lot of these stories originated from?
2: Yeah.
3: From the created ghost stories, which now have become legend and lore at quarantine station Manly. uh, And a lot of the current guides don't even know that. Yeah. A lot of the, the, I'm sure the owners and everyone don't know that. But the stories have been repeated so often. Often by so many people, and people have come in looking for those specific things that they will find it because that's what they're looking for. They will make it fit. Yeah. Confirmation bias. Yeah.
2: The issue is that there are so many stories there beyond that, real stories. And yeah. real EVPs real from real people, yeah, uh, and tragedies that should be told the proper way, yeah, like the the poor boy down in the Isaac. kitchen area,
3: yeah. oh the the, the yeah, yeah. boy, oh. um,
2: So there's really no need to add that sort of the demonic area no. to it, just to make it
3: scarier. And look, I even know um, some people that went and did one of the tours, and I think one of the guides must have been fairly new because there was a noise in the hospital and the guide ran away and left his tour group there oh, and uh. it was because we had some experienced investigators that they actually looked after the group and mm-hmm. did some experiments with them oh my gosh wow yeah but uh, there have been some great guides there who i've learned a lot from um and some very passionate historians in there as well that that use the history of Q Station to do their investigations and they all should take a leaf out of their book is this place haunted? absolutely, absolutely. I have had way too many experiences there yep. that uh, I can explain what the hell is going on but um, I would love to go last time we went was only last year it's the first time I've been back and I broke down and cried mm. I, I got up to the hospital and it still makes me very emotional um that I'm not there anymore. I can't pay homage to the matron and say I miss you.
2: Yeah, but she did, and we did. I did. I we did. walked. We walked around, and we actually said, "We're back, um, just for a visit. We yep.
3: hope you're well. We hope they're looking after you." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway that i've talked a lot <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's good i hope you've all enjoyed this episode please uh, if you want to support us buy us a cup of coffee uh just look for uh, we'll, we'll be down in the, the comments buy me a coffee and and renata become a uh, Grand Pooh Bar Patreon supporter and get the behind the scenes and all that sort of stuff and also
2: before you finish up we uh, have a link there to Mysterious Adventures about our Ireland (gasps) trip come to Ireland with us so please come to Ireland with us it's in March of 2024 and you can book your spot right now it doesn't matter where in the world you are get yourself to Ireland and be on our tour
3: Anyway, guys, we'll see you on the dark side. Don't forget, stay spooky. Be frightfully good. And And don't
2: don't be a dickhead. dickhead.
3: Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata... Follow at Ann and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and YouTube or visit their website www.annandrenata.com.